Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Shipwreck Show. My name is Shipwreck, and I will be your hostess with the Moses. And we are bringing back Patriot Mama 1776-2A, which is a mouthful. Hello. Welcome to the live. It's good to see you. Welcome back. Thank you, my friend. How are you? We're doing all right. We're living the dream here with our gas prices and our economy. We're just, things are great. (laughs) Things are great. That's it. Race of that's what I'm saying. Rachel, welcome to live and Sonny Brown. We got you backstage. Alex King and Texas Ginger Girl and Lily's Flowers. You guys, welcome to live and a very happy Thursday to all of you. I could not remember what day it was. I'm <laughs> um, happy Thursday to all of you. Tonight's episode is brought to you by MrsRogersHead.com. You all have worms. If you walk around barefoot outside, you probably got worms. If you eat raw sushi, you probably have worms. If you want to get rid of your worms, go to MrsRogersHead.com. Use Shipwreck 5 to get 5% off. I'm not, but you can. Just enjoy that discount because I'll keep my worms. I saw this video where this lady pulled yep. a worm out of her eye. Yep. Nope. Even as nurse, I won't participate in those things because it freaks me out what's going to come out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, they'll just stay living there. They will. So, yep. to a Patriot Mob, the last time we had you on, we got into a lot of the California politics. And I want to touch on something really quick tonight. Before we get into like the schooling of California, I saw a video today of Gavin Newsom. This must have been at their debates. And I don't remember who was he. So who's his opponent in California? Do you remember? Or do you uh, know? Dolly. So okay. he's a senator. Yeah. Okay. So they were debating and he came out and he said something about Gavin Newsom's best friend's wife. How can you trust a man with your state if you can't even trust him with your best friend's wife? And I just felt like the collective mic drop across the nation with that. It, it hit a chord. What do you know the story? I don't know the story behind that. Do you know the story behind that? I truthfully don't know the whole story, but I know that Newsom has a reputation for it. And I know that there it's kind of like how Biden has the reputation for getting with the nanny. It's that kind of thing. So I don't know how long he had been with the, been with the girlfriend, his best friend had been with a girlfriend. I don't know the circumstances around it, but it sounds like it's a pretty legitimate claim. So shots were fired. Definitely fired. <laughs> yeah. God dang. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know how to come back from that if I were Gavin Newsom. And he didn't either. It was a very only thing he ever does. So Speaking of, yeah, well, so he even at the debate, he even, you know, Dolly made a comment about the fact that he's, sitting here making a making a run for presidency, which is should terrify the absolute hell out of everyone. But um, and he was saying that he's not around enough because of that. So and even the moderators were asking, well, does that mean you're actually going to sit in a position if you're elected? And he said, well, yeah, of course. And then he proceeded in the debate to call people stupid that do coal mining, that do um, do any kind of oil refinery. It was Newsom immediately was losing right out of the gate. The first thing that was said by Newsom was a, more of a defensive statement. The first thing that Dolly said, which the opening statements are critical. Sorry, my apparently my washer just turned on. Um, <laughs> no worries. The other thing that was said was Dolly says, thank you. So Newsom sits here in his defense, defense, defense. Dolly says, thank you for having us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And just Newsom's turn towards Dolly. Dolly's very straight. And I really think that Newsom... I think him having this debate was a very big mistake on his part. He thinks that running on the abortion concept is going to be what's going to help him win the state. And it's just not what's going to happen. So, but you know, one of the things to look at is he could very well win because we know that there is questionable tactics being handled with the voting process. Um, I posted a couple of videos on my TikTok that 
it shows that the ballots for some people have okay. Newsom and, and Dolly and other people it has Dolly than Newsom. Or I guess it's, it's probably daily. I truly don't know. I read more than I listen. So that's okay. I think it's daily. I think it, I think so, it is daily. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> autocorrect. So daily is showing up sometimes on top and sometimes on bottom. Even myself on the ballot, it's supposed to be that the incumbent is the person. So that so for those who don't know, I had to, you know, I had to learn myself. Um, being the incumbent means that you are not the you are the person who holds the position. So usually that's supposed to be the top person on the ballot. That's not okay. happening in all the ballots. So it used to be that. And even in our own community, I've had people send me their ballots and my name is showing as the first first one listed in my position. And then sometimes it's the bottom one. So when these ballots go through, let's say I take 5,000 ballots and I put it through the Scantron, is it going to, based off the barcode, differentiate like it's supposed to? I don't, I don't think it will. We have enough issues with the system. Why did they need to do that if there's not some kind of strange intent? Now there was an op- there was an opportunity for the state of California to unseat Gavin Newsom too. They, um, I can't think of the word now. Not rejected. What did that? What's that word? Recall. Recall. They recall Gavin Newsom, yeah. and they had enough signatures, and it seemed like it looked like from the outside looking in that it was going to happen, and then it just didn't. And a lot of people screamed um, fraud kind of stuff with that as well. Like there was some finagling with it as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It was. It was a big enough issue from day one that we started seeing these votes were there was problems. So, so when we saw the recall happening, it was some very top people were putting it together and everything was going good until everyone started realizing that the election for the 2020 election had enough issues that then they started watching it close. And all of a sudden, the same issues we saw with the election started happening with the recall. So ballots would be found in boxes, out in dumpsters, that kind of thing. Okay. So it's, I don't, I do not believe that Newsom is in the position he is because the people want him there. I don't believe it at all. Okay. I mean, as many, many know, Newsom is the nephew to Nancy Pelosi. The okay. district in San Francisco district is a disaster. And Newsom, Newsom has been placed, in my opinion. He has clear issues when it comes to focusing. He doesn't have the ability to get a project started from inception to completion. Doesn't happen on everything. There's money being thrown around right and left. And that's the kind of thing that Daly was pointing out was that things just aren't getting done. And then all of a sudden, you know, true to nature, come election time, they're starting to pull back the spending because it looks bad for him to be spending $17 million on a, on a bathroom for the right. San Francisco. So there's just so many failed policies and Californians know it and we know it collectively as a whole. So if the San Francisco area is the only one that we're going off of, Newsom probably would win and would legitimately win if it was just that. But this entire state is sick and tired of Newsom. So wouldn't you think that given the, the state of the San Francisco area, wouldn't you think that they were sick of it too? Like, I don't know. I can't figure out what's going on in San Francisco. It's an anomaly. It really is nationwide an issue because they are having, you know, the simple fact of the matter is, is you have the people who pull the strings of the puppets. They're the ones who are in charge of so many things. So, but the residents are getting sick of it. So the residents who actually would have voted to go against Newsom, they've left. We've had a mass plea of people. So we don't have the manpower that we did. So People are all sick of it. San Francisco family members, I would say, are more sick of it than those who are of a more liberal-minded agenda. The That far-left agenda is thriving in San Francisco. It's kind of like what you saw in Portland, Oregon, and, and Washington State. It's thriving. Mm-hmm. And if that's what we're going to base the entire state off of, yeah, man, go for it. Help yourself. You're going to have no money coming in. You're going to have the border that's being overran. You're going to have fentanyl flooding every street corner, every church, every school, every daycare. We're going to have a serious problem if people who actually have voting power don't start stepping up. I can't get on board with the people that are for even, especially now, especially that we're two years into this and it's becoming really obvious that the far left agenda is the one to blame for the struggles of the people of our country. 
And and yeah. I still see it. I still see it on TikTok. I still see people defending Joe Biden. I still see people defending your Gavin, your Gavin Newsom's, your New York City's, your Chicago's. And it just blows my mind that they're not. And I have always said this, but it's like it's got to be a personality trait at this point. Like you have to have something like some kind of quirk in your personality that makes you think that what's happening is just okay or great or great. I think it's the, I think it's like the feeling of a parent who has a kid who's a freshman who's difficult. You just okay. hope that, you know, four more years, three more years, two more years. And then when you get to that point where the kid's supposed to move out, lo and behold, now you have adult problems to deal with. So I think everybody hopes that these problems will go away because they're only going to be in office for a few more years and then we'll vote them out. Well, then they're getting reelected or they're not being recalled like they're supposed to, or there's shady circumstances around the elections. I was a poll observer. I know what I saw at the 2020 election, and that was not on the up and up in Kern County, California. We saw a lot of things. It was reported. I, I made sure to document everything that I possibly could. And so I think the problem is, is that people think I'm, I, you know, I see it, but I, I'm not going to, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to deal with it right now. And the problem is, is people have to start realizing that if we start cleaning our own, our own yard and, you know, maybe we sweep the street in front of our neighbor's house and we do it on both sides. If everybody did that, we'd start cleaning things up a lot faster than if we just say, this is my mindset. I'm going to clean only my property. So if people start reaching out and trying to help each other and trying to really deal with the problems instead of that's not my problem. If we started doing that, we'd have a lot more success at stopping people like Newsom. And preventing this from occurring because this isn't ever going to quit. So what are the people who are supporting Newsom? What are they standing on? Like what, what possible leg could they have left outside of the abortion thing? But that doesn't even, even make know anyone sense. who supports him. I live in a county really? of not a single person. I don't know anybody who wants Newsom in there. Not a single person. I do live in a red County, so it's not necessarily that shocking I have not met one person who said they voted for Newsom and I know, and everybody I know has voted to recall. So I don't know. It's, I would think that it is that they just don't want conservatives to win. That's the only thing I can think of. That's the only thing I come up with too. Like it's, and, it's that mentality, like it's a hatred for conservatives. Well, you know, I saw a video on TikTok where this girl was saying, I, I don't have a home anymore. I was what you'd consider a liberal. And now I am. And then, but I know I'm not a conservative, but I have all these conservative views. So am I, am I like, what am I? My, I'm sorry, but I feel like, and somebody was saying that I shouldn't put a label on them. And I do think that somebody who is politically feeling like they belong nowhere. Those are people who are not going to vote, who are going to give up. It's saying that, I think that you have your conservatives and you have your very far right wingers and then you have your liberals and you very far left wingers. And I think those people in the middle ground, that is your Patriot Party more than anything else at this point. It's the people who can see both sides of the aisle. And how do we make this work instead of basing our entire policy based off of I am a Democrat or I am a Republican? It needs to be. I believe this but I'm willing to look at this side of the aisle on it. So like for me, I do not agree with abortion. I don't believe in abortion, but I understand and have compassion and empathy for somebody who would want somebody in office. I don't think it should be an all or nothing. I think that decision is between that person and their God. That is what I think needs to happen. As a Christian, I have come very far in my faith, especially over the last few years, I truly believe that it is our job to bring people to Christ, but we're not supposed to judge them as we do. We're allowed to tell them this is what Christ believes, but that's a conversation between you and God. And so if we start doing that and start supporting, we'll have more compassion and empathy. And I think that we'll have a more common ground that isn't so rocky. So Daly and Newsom, they're running on very opposing things. Newsom said, everybody in the country, bring your abortions to us. Well, excuse me. We don't want that. And then he used, I don't know if you saw the billboard, but he used Bible verses on the billboard to support abortion. I'm sorry. So that's pretty demonic. Very, very sacrilegious. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. 
I don't know. Right. Welcome to welcome to California where everything has to be something. And it's, it's exhausting, but you know, there we've got stuff like at the school boards where they're, you know, we're looking at educational materials. We're looking at the type of material that Newsom doesn't have a single problem with coming into the schools. And it is very perverted information that's coming through. The books aren't being regulated. We have massive problems on every type of factor in California right now. And it's not a place that people should live, to be honest with you. Like, what do you mean every, so when you're talking about these, like, are we talking, uh, I know I've seen some and I've seen the daycare reading programs. I've seen, or the, the, I'm sorry, the drag queen reading programs. When you're talking about the books, they're not being regulated by like your state or the school board or anybody. They're not regulating by anybody. I think anybody would be the best all encompassing statement. So the way school school boards choose their books is it starts at the state level. The state says, now, mind you, there's two different categories. You have your school provided materials and then you have your teacher provided materials. But then you have this loosely this library provided materials. Well, books get dropped off at the library and lo and behold, all of a sudden it's on the shelf. And yet the teacher doesn't have or the librarian doesn't know how it got there or the school say, well, we didn't put it there. It's not approved reading material. Whichever way you want to point the finger, it's still, the book still is on the shelf. So the way the material is chosen is in the state of California, there's X amount of books that are chosen for the whole state. Now, I studied this aspect of it very closely because like I've told you before, I was the Tara Kelly that I was raising the red flags all over the place when I wanted to show what was happening with the Islamic studies in our very conservative county here in Bakersfield. So, yes, I did go viral. Everybody took what I said and they just ran with it. And I didn't really defend myself. I just let people say what they're going to say. I mean, when I had death threats coming against me within 24 hours, there was no sense in me trying. So I just let people say what they wanted. Because even if I tried to tell this person that or this person that, they're going to have their mind made up about what it is. Mm -hmm. So it's important to know how the process starts. So a big box of books is taken to the state. They say for this class, we're going to have this. These are the materials you can choose from. So let's say 50 books gets narrowed down to 14. Those 14 books go to the school board. The school board narrows that down to six. The schools choose X, Y, and Z, or the school districts choose the, um, which exact books they want to have be their material. So what happens though, is parents think that this is being monitored closely and I asked to go see the material. When I did, I was told I would have six minutes to read an entire book, an entire history book in six minutes. Who, told, who told you that though? Sue Lemon. So she, she was one of the ones I can literally, we're talking 2012. So yeah. Oh, I've got receipts. <laughs> so that lady, when she sees me, she does not like me. So I have a serious problem when I go to different principals, different superintendents, and they're not doing their job. I'm going to call you out on it when the kids are suffering because of it. So the background to the Tara Kelly story, because people are going to Google it. The background is that the Islamic studies, my son was in eighth grade and my other son was in seventh grade. And um, as they came through from sixth to seventh and then shifted up, I would always see the schoolwork. So I would see it getting past kid to kid. And so I pay attention, you know, what's the new thing for this year? What's going on? So I clean out the backpack at the end of my oldest school year. And I see these handouts that were Islamic studies and it was the 12 pillars of faith. And I thought, huh, interesting. That's a, that's a Quran verse on this page. I don't understand this. So I started looking at things the next year. I was like, well, that class already happened months ago. I'm just going to really pay attention next year. So next year I told my son when this part of the school lesson or the lesson plan happens. I want you to come to me. So he brought me his work and it was a page. Um, it was a worksheet page. 12 pillars of faith were on it. Um, there was a QR code. And when you would scan it, it would take you to, um, the prayer for Mecca and it would take you directly to a YouTube link. I found that highly inappropriate. So I started looking into the book. Muhammad was mentioned 97 times. Jesus was 17. So that, that right there was okay. What's going on? So I went to my daughter who was in sixth grade at the time and I took her, her book and I wanted to see what was being taught in sixth grade. 
Now, Jesus Christ was supposed to have been focused on in sixth grade. Mind you, this is a history class. This isn't theology. So in sixth grade, I said, well, did you guys study this? And she said, no, we weren't allowed to because there was kids in class who, who couldn't learn it. And I asked my son, what about you? What about you? I started asking around at different schools, same answer. So then I asked a friend of mine what her daughter was learning at a different school district in our town. And that friend just, I did not realize it had gone so far that we didn't know. And I was pretty involved. So what happened was they had kids getting on mats and praying to Mecca to see what it was like to pray as a Muslim. We're talking Christian families. That is And then they had the 12 pillars of faith and they had direct pages from the Quran. It would be the same as if I went to the book of Timothy or the book of Psalm and put an entire page. It was no different than me typing out every word in the book of Psalm and putting it into the history books. So then I started diving into how is the educational material provided to the students? And this is what found out. So when I challenged it and asked them, what were all the choices? When's the next book supposed to be chosen? They, they wouldn't give me much information. So I had to really dive deep. And what it came down to is they aren't, they aren't expecting people to challenge them. And so then of course I was, you know, labeled a conspiracy theorist, you know, anytime you challenge the system, you're the bad guy, not the policy. You're automatically labeled. Yep. So, and then on the internet, it was that, well, that's not what happened. She's lying. This, I made a very simple post about this is, I took a picture of my son's homework. I said, my son will not partake in this assignment. I put a couple Bible verses on there. And then I made my son, and this is the part people don't know. I made my child write a report about Muhammad and turn that report in. The letter I wrote to the school was in a sealed envelope that went to somebody else. And I just let the teacher know in a kind letter, my child's not going to partake in the assignment. People think that it was completely different. Is what should have been done is that what was happening? No. But I started to find all the handouts. I went to the LA Unified School District's website and pulled all of their hand materials. And all those handwork or all those uh, handouts, I could see every option. So like a teacher is given, let's say, 50 assignments that they can choose from. So they have a catalog and they're like, I'm going to print off this one and this one and this one. This one looks fun as long as they're hitting their key points. So our teachers chose not to do certain assignments that might be different than what the LA unified school district chose, but it's still coming from the same honeypot. So when people understand that the materials are chosen as a lump sum, and then the teachers are controlling what is getting in front of the kid's eyes, then it starts making you go, okay, this isn't necessarily a state problem. The state's providing them with a limited amount of stuff, but it's going to come down to the teachers too. So the teachers can't just point the finger at the state. The state can't just point the finger at the teachers. Somebody has to start stepping up and they're trying to shut down these like resource type schools. Parents are going to the resource schools because the school system is failing the kids at such a high level on just basic, simple things such as we shouldn't teach Bible verses in school. And that's what I said. If you're not going to teach the Christian religion, let's take Christianity out of it. If you're not going to teach Buddhism at the same level you're teaching the Islamic studies, then don't teach it. It's an all or it's a nothing. And I think in schools, if you want to teach that or if you want to learn that at a high level rather than just who 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 each person was in history, then you need to go to a private school. If you want something more, you want the meat and potatoes of, of a religion, go to a private school. I don't Other- understand why the religion would be in the school to be because we're talking public school, right? You're talking about a public school. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of a point of contention, wasn't it? They didn't want you saying the word God in the in the national anthem or, you know, they didn't want you doing any of that. And so and I was kind of on board and I I didn't have any hate to that. I, I get it. Like we do. We have a lot of people from a lot of different religions. Some don't believe in God. And I figure if we're not going to, you know, we're not going to sidestep it. Just don't do it at all. Come up with something else. And that's and I think that's OK. Like I really do. I was. But to replace it with the Islamic studies. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. And I don't understand why it's being taught in a public school to begin with, especially at such a young age of uh, um, did you say yeah. sixth grade, sixth grade. Yeah, yeah. Sixth grade. it I was 100 percent that mentality on it, too. 
everybody said that I was this righteous Christian mama laying the smackdown, or then you'd have, or this, this stupid mom that was doing X, Y, and Z. People put their own spin on it, and the keyboard warrior warriors just flew away with it. They so, always do. Exactly. So they it is what it is. But I felt like it should not be taught in school either. I did not agree with teaching the Christian religion. As a Christian, I did not feel it was it was okay to force my theology down someone's throat. And you know what? I have to flip that around to, to simple things such as I don't want the transgender agenda being shoved down my kid's throat, but this parent might. Right. There should not be agendas being pushed. I can take my child to school and I should be able to know that my child's going to come home and learn things like finances. Balancing a checkbook is critically important. These kids come out of school and don't know shit. It's very simple. And, but they're getting all these strange emotional and support studies in a math class. They're getting things like, they are getting things that have no bearings on the topic. And so the topic is important. It's being thrown out the window. And so I think it needs to, I think the whole education system, especially in California, I think it needs to be wiped clean. And when I started researching who is providing the books and the material, the publishing agents, they all had connections to Cairo. So it's, that's a very concerning thing. So if I were to ask you, okay, if I, so if I were to ask, ask you if, like, why do you think that that happened this way? And, and like, what do you think the, the end goal is with teaching uh, the Islamic state, the Islamic uh, way of life to children at such a young age? What do you think the end goal for that is? is? If there was a conspiracy theory out there, like, what do you think the end goal is? Um, I would say conspiracy theory wise, I would say it's to implode the states from the inside out. Because if you start one state okay. at a time and start taking them down one state at a time, you can take down an entire country. And if you can indoctrinate and if you can change the pathway thinkings of all these children and you get them to think the way you need them to think, it's a lot easier to pull them away from people that have Christian fundamental values. So they're going to turn their backs on their families, such as with transgender type ideology. They're being taught that they are not made in the image of God because you are not who you think you are. That means God made a mistake. God made a mistake and put me in the wrong body. And so if you start changing that thinking, you start pulling people away from God, and then you start creating this tension within the family. Now, guess what? Now you have the perfect scenario to be able to start breaking apart the units that are structurally sound and have a foundation to build a better life and a better functioning environment. So each state will slowly implode, and then you will see that implosion turn to bigger issues, and it's going to trickle all through the country. So conspiracy theory wise, I think it has to do with taking down the country one, one year at a time. That's kind of where I was at with it. Yeah. You can't, you can't destroy a country overnight. It's not going to happen in 10 years. It's not going to happen in 30 years. It's going to happen over a course of a very long time. But if the right people are feeding that right ideology into it, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, 200 years ago, it's pretty easy to see that it wouldn't take much at this point to destroy a country versus 200 years ago. It would have been a lot different. Yeah, I guess that's, that is exactly where I was kind of going with it too. And I keep going back to Obama because <laughs> that was kind of Obama's thing, right? So he had, he had ran his whole presidency stating he was from the state of, Hi- of Hawaii, but his birth certificates said otherwise. And there was a lot of people that thought that he was a part of the Islamic mm-hmm. state. And that he was like a one of the theories out there is that he was put in that position in order to start doing stuff like this, like to cause the divide between the generations and their parents to cause all kinds of different problems to try and create almost like sleeper cells within the United States. It's a very. And there's a lot of sound arguments to that. I mean, I can, I can understand how there might be other things that could come into play that we don't know because clearly they're hiding stuff from us. So that being said, I, I think it's stupid of us to think that this stuff doesn't exist and that it's not happening. I mean, we're pretty quick to point the finger that, you know, China's got terrible leaders, Germany's got terrible leaders, but we're this perfect angel. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. 
we're being manipulated just as much as anybody else. I mean, just look at the National Defense Authorization Act. So when Obama signed that in 2012, it literally says in there that the media can be used by the government to lie to the people if it is for the greater good of the government. But who is the one who's determining if it's the greater good of the government? And who's the one who's determining how long that lie can last? So it's it is propaganda. And it was allowed by the Obama administration. It was part of the documents that were signed. So in around the same time, if you look at the timeline, at the timeline that Trump started saying fake news, fake news, fake news, and everyone's thinking, oh, he's a wackadoo. At that same time, notice how the National Enquirer kind of disappeared. Well, yeah, yeah. Trump was friends with the, with the guy who owned the National Enquirer. So okay. I was sitting there and I was thinking, where did the National Enquirer go? It's just kind of disappeared. You know, we used to see alien babies on the news, newspaper covers standing in line. And we were thinking it's crazy. Now it's like, well, hell, maybe there is because it's so bizarre. This world makes no sense. It's like, well, obviously we've been having stuff hidden from us. So when I started backtracking, you can find that there were connections with Donald Trump and the guy who owned the National Enquirer. You know what is funny about the National Enquirer? So there was a joke back in, what is it, uh, Men in Black. So they made the joke that this is like the best, that he's reading the thing. And he's he's like, why are you reading the National? He's like, because this is the way you get all the best news. Yeah. Most factual. And at the time, I remember laughing and being like, ah, because I remember seeing the National Enquirer stand in line at the grocery store, right? And now, now I'm like, wow, that's probably true now they put like pictures of hunter biden all the cracked out photos of hunter biden and they're like president's son is a crackhead and i'm like yeah that's true like how long has the national Enquirer been telling us the truth <laughs> while we're out here just thinking it's supposed to be the new york times right what if we've had yeah. this all backwards the whole time yep and what? yeah that's the thing is that we've we've been taught what to think we have been taught so much it it's almost scary to unlearn all of this because it's like, where does the veil stop lifting? At what point do we start seeing the truth actually be here? Is this just going to be our forever where it's one new thing after another? Obama just made a video the other day and came out saying that we're going to start seeing more information on aliens, stuff that he couldn't disclose before. Convenient that it's right before midterms. All this stuff happens before midterms and it, I but don't they, know. Like, Congress got together and had a whole session about it on a random Tuesday in the middle of the afternoon, renamed yeah. them UAPs and everything. I, I've personally never seen aliens, but do I think that it is, I think it's too egotistical to think that we're the only people who live on this planet. I agree. And I think that if we think that, then we think our God is not very big. So as a Christian, I have to look at the concept that, God has the power to do all of this. So why would it be considered implausible that he has? I, I don't know that answer. If God, if God wanted us to be the only ones on the planet, then we wouldn't even have the concept and thought that this could be occurring. And we wouldn't have enough evidence supporting it. I really think that there is something going on and they don't want us to know. And there's, I mean, we are, we're not too far from area 51. So obviously that's a, that's a hot topic. And I, years ago, I've always been fascinated by the concept of aliens, but years ago, I read this book that talks about the tall white ones and that there is that they basically, I don't remember if it said that they landed or that that's where they live, but they're part of the governmental programs and they live over in the Hills over in area 51. And then years later, little tidbits start trickling in that support that original theory and that they are, you know, seven, eight foot tall, very lean, very uh, pale people with white hair, hence the tall white ones, whether or not it's true. I don't know, but hell at this point, anything's true. Well, this, we did a whole episode on giants and Nephilims, right? So the Nephilims are when fallen angels fell to earth and then they mated with the females here on earth and they had babies and the babies were the Nephilims and Nephilims were eight, nine, 10 feet tall. And as we were going through the giants and the Nephilims, a lot of the descriptions that they were getting from the giants from Afghanistan, because they fought one of these things, apparently, uh, multiple times out there. And apparently it's a normal thing out there in Afghanistan, these giants. But all of the, the reports that they got back sounded a lot like a Bigfoot, like a skunk ape, like, like what we call it here. 
And so then we kind of started digging into that and we started digging into the national forest and area 51. And there's all like, you're, you're absolutely right. You're naive. If you think that we're just the only ones out here with, you know, if we have the smartest brains of the species on this planet, like, I, I can't believe that. I just don't anymore. Um, I don't know that I ever did. I grew up on a farm. We saw lots of stuff in the sky. Like, I don't know that I've ever believed that we were alone out here. A hundred percent. I have family members that say that they saw UFOs and that strange things had happened. And we're from North Idaho. We saw, we had stuff like that always being talked about. Um, so I, and my cousin's a very logical person. So the fact that he, him and his dad both said they saw the same thing. I tend to tend to think that maybe it did exist, but no, I think that the, you know, and that's the thing is they've removed so many components from the Bible to why they needed to remove certain books from the Bible that have been proven they were in the Bible. So that's not a, mm-hmm. that's not a loose statement. It is a sound statement that there were books removed from the Bible. So as the Bible has been translated, there's been things that have been lost. There's been books that have been removed for whatever reason by the Catholic church. Um, and that's not a hit against Catholics. Every religion has issues. Christianity has so you're, many things. You're getting no judgment from any of us. We've done it all. None. So it's, you know, they've removed components of the Bible. And now we have things like the concept of giants and Nephilim. People think that doesn't exist, but it simply does. It exists in the Bible. We have, you know, people are saying that we need the science to prove it. Have the science prove it. They have the freaking skeletons. What more science do you want? They have found Noah's Ark. What more science do you want? So these people that are talking only about science, it can't exist in theory. It has to be science. The evidence has been found and provided to you. We can't make you do anything with it. That's between you and God. So you have to decide if you're going to continue the pathway that you are. But no, I, I watched your stuff on the Nephilim stuff and having the, the, the duplicate teeth in the mouth. And that was really fascinating. I know we were, I was blown away. I, I did not know about the Kandahar giant until right before that live. And I dove into it and they were stone faced military personnel. Like these are just dudes. They have no reason to make any of this up. And they're like, we flew it out. We flew it to Ohio. And apparently Ohio's got some crazy stuff with it. A bunch of Ohioans then chimed in and there's something with the plates in the ground. And I'm like, what really? I didn't see that part. I'm going to have to dig all into that. I didn't, it was all in my comment section on TikTok, And so then we did, we started tying it. Cause I'm a big Bigfoot fan, right? I live in Iowa. We got lots of weird shit that walks around here. We got Bigfoots. I'm, I'm a firm believer. But then I started to wonder if the Bigfoots and the aliens and the, are not the Bigfoot, the Bigfoots and the giants weren't the same thing. And if in actual reality, these things are all over the place, we just call them yeah. different names. And they, I, I wholeheartedly believe they exist. I, I do. And not because they were in the Bible, but because probably because they were removed from the Bible. Like that has me yeah. questioning a whole bunch of things. When especially we talk about the uh, the mud flood, right? So when Noah, Noah, the ark, the mud flood, the underground cities, the giants that were buried into the mud flood, like that you you can't just yep. not acknowledge that it's there. I mean, I don't know about the science, but it's there, it's right in front of you. You can see it at this point. that's it it's people will see what they want to see or they won't they're willing to look at both sides of the aisle or they're not and if they're not then there's no sense in trying to you know proverbial be a dead horse it's just you can't make everybody believe what's logically facing them and I don't know what else to tell people you know my son he questions if God's real we have those conversations and I saw a great TikTok where he talked about that You've got people who back then when Jesus, it's, it's not if Jesus existed, Jesus existed, the question for people. So, and that's where a lot of the atheist concepts come in. Well, well, Jesus never lived. Yeah, well, that's been proven. He did. So Jesus lived. So that's the foundation we build off of. So the question becomes, is he the son of God or not? That's where the question is. So then you look at that, that time, almost every person except for John was, was died a terrible death. They were persecuted at such a high level. And then you have the people who originally found Jesus were the most hated people of that time. They were women. 
So what did anybody have to gain by perpetuating this lie? How would anybody trust these women to say it if it didn't happen? It just, it becomes, where is the logic start and stop? People only do things if they get something of benefit in return in order for it to sustain. There has to be a reward. And they weren't rewarded greatly if they were lying. But if they were telling the truth, God rewarded them in their life. And so you have to look at the logic of it. And by that logic, Jesus was the son of God. And it's the hill I'll die on. I think the atheists with the people that don't believe, I think, and I found this out a lot, like a lot of the atheists or self-proclaimed atheists or whatever, whatever, a lot of people who don't believe in God really, do you think maybe they struggled with religion versus God? Because this is, this is where I got, I never went the atheist route, but I could see kind of, I can understand how people do, especially if they had bad experiences within their religion, like their religious sector, right? I was raised Roman Catholic. Um, they kicked me out. They told me I asked too many questions and that I, my faith wasn't strong enough and that I didn't believe in God enough. And they, after 12, 13 years of catechism and confirmation classes every week, at the end of it, they were like, no, you can't be confirmed. You got to do it over. I'm like, well, no, I'm going to dip. And yeah. I never went back. Like, I, I think the next time I went back, frick, the next time I went back might have been when my dad died. The next time I stepped foot in that church. Like, I, I just couldn't. But my faith, but my understanding of God and my relationship with God never wavered. Because I think I'd always kind of seen them as separately. I don't necessarily believe in religion but I believe in God and I have faith in God and I have faith in, you know, the Jesus Christ. And, and I have questions for sure, but I, my overall faith never was ever rocked. And I think a lot of the atheists, maybe it may have stemmed from that. Do you feel like a lot of the religions possibly do that either intentionally or unintentionally push people out? I do. I okay. definitely do. I was born and raised Lutheran. So it's a step away from Catholicism. Um, you're not supposed to challenge. And I think mm -hmm. that it's because they want your thinking a certain way. I am non-denominational Christian. Um, meaning the studies that we study is directly from the Bible. My husband was born and raised a Mormon. So him stepping into the first church he went to that wasn't a Mormon church was a Lutheran church. And he was thinking this was a cult is what he thought. Now his grandpa was one of the lead bishops in, in Washington. So he was very much in the Mormon religion. And he started realizing that it's not what he felt fundamentally attached to. So, okay. but he couldn't ask those questions. He couldn't say, well, why are we studying this versus this? If the Christians are studying this, why would we be studying this? And it was the same thing as a Lutheran. I couldn't ask, well, what about this? It was usually met with the answer. I don't know. And so when you started pushing back, they didn't like that, but you know what? God knows our heart. So why shouldn't we be able to ask questions? I don't see anything wrong with that. And yeah, you might not be the most liked person because it means you're challenging the belief system of somebody else. But when you have a religion that is having so many pieces of controversy around it, you start looking at it and go, this probably isn't for me. This isn't of God. I mean, it's, there's so many issues with Catholic priests having inappropriate relationships. Uh -huh. Did you see that the Pope came out saying that, um, uh -huh. about the, the corn pop type shows. And yeah, they said that they, he came out and I made a TikTok about it. He came out and said to a bunch of young, soon to be aspiring priests that priests and nuns watch porn too, but it's not like the kitty porn. Cause that's already a sin, but it's like the normal, he actually used the word normal porn. And then yeah. he advised them to delete it off their phone. And I'm like, look, you got bigger things going on than a bunch of grown adults who are of age watching other grown adults who are of age having relations. Okay. Yeah. And then I immediately flipped the next page. You got a cardinal that's being prosecuted this week for child rape. Like I, you got bigger things to worry about. And that I think, but again, I think this is the Catholic religion probably really kicked this off the whole religious idea, like the whole religious ideology. And I'm not coming for anybody, but. I really do think it's losing its its luster, which is why you're starting to lose um, the idea of God in a lot of people, too. I think the religion is going yeah. downhill and sinking fast. Well, and I think it's because everyone's saying, 
you're doing so many things wrong. You need to do this 12 times a day. Mm -hmm. You need to do this. You need all these different rules. There's these measuring yardsticks and no one's ever going to meet the utmost yardstick. And that is being Jesus Christ. No one's ever going to be there. We will all fall short. So if we take away that stupid yardstick and we say, I'm trying to be the best person I can be to everyone around me and to know God and Jesus, to know God through Jesus and to know the Bible. If we start getting rid of the religious concept and come into the Bible and come into Christ, we will see a bigger revival than we're currently seeing in the United States. I think that we are we are in this strange area of our lives where it could go one way or the other. And if we, we definitely talk are. about it on the platforms, instead of being, you know, shying away because we'll lose a follower, someone might say something. I think we could see a massive change in heart. And I think people are starting to fall back into wanting religion brought into schools a little bit because they see that we're missing a component. And that component is love and compassion. It doesn't have to be, perverse tolerance. We don't have to, you know, we can love our neighbor, but disagree with them. I love my husband, but he pisses me off, but it doesn't mean I love him less. I mean, right. he, he was breathing last night. I was like, Ugh. It just, <laughs> Ugh. but I love him. We, we can love right. someone and disagree with them. And that is where acceptance comes in. I can love my child's friend who is gay and I can love them and show them that Christ loves them. And then what they do with that relationship, once it's created, that's up to them. But if we love people to the Bible, we can't go wrong. It's just a very simple truth. And the first step it takes is having the conversations. You know, I work for a doctor's office where we do talk about it a lot. Our doctor's office, um, last year when I talked, I was working for as a compliance director. And I've now moved into a role where I'm working as a nurse again. I found it. it happened with another radio station where I was on, we were talking and said, Hey, I know you're not working as a nurse, but I think this place could be great for you. I went in, got the job immediately. And the doctor's office does so much with prayer. And there is truly a spirit moving in all areas of everyone's life. And when, when you see a relationship with God and not the relationship with the church, that's when you see people's healing actually start. And that's the critical part. If we rely on a relationship with a building, we have a problem. It's not rela relationships with the church can be good or bad. So the relationship with the church that's positive for those who are wondering, am I, is this a good thing? Is It's encouraging fellowship with people. It's encouraging having conversations about God, having conversations about the Bible and how to be a better person for those around you. That's what it should feed. It shouldn't feed the, the feelings of inadequacy. As soon as that yardstick starts popping up, you need to bounce. It's, it's not feeding you and it's not going to help you stay healthy mind and body. I'm here for that. I, I think, I think you're 100% right about the difference between having the relationship with the building versus having a relationship with God. And, and again, like this has always been a distinct difference for me. They've always felt separate. Like I had a right relationship with God. And I prayed, I talked to God and then I went to church and that church was just a whole different thing. It wasn't the same feeling that I got when I prayed or when I talked to God, it was just more anxiety. I felt like a lot of the times, cause a lot of, you know, there's clicks, it gets clicky. It's like TikTok. Oh. It's like church talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, it does. It does. It gets too clicky. And I, you know, I think internet church is good to a degree. There's a lot of people who don't agree with it. Um, I think it's good because those people who are trying to feel out the church, it catches them and it feeds parts of them, but you do need that connection with humans and you need that, those conversations, but those conversations can come like this. It doesn't have to be sitting down and singing Kumbaya and, and having coffee and cookies. It doesn't have to be that. It can be the meat and potatoes. And if you get with the right people, you can feed that part of your soul. But that relationship with the church is if you are more into the church than you are the Bible, you have a problem. You've already missed the step that you're supposed to be taking. You have just gone right past the whole point of everything. And so people have to step away from, from that. They have to disassociate and disconnect and think, 
Am I going to church because of the people I know there? Or am I going to church because of the word of God? And is it being taught well? If you're going for the people, then you've got an issue and you're not there for the right reason. Yeah, you can like the people sitting next to you. You can have a good time with them. They can be your friends. But if that's the part you look forward to is, you know, seeing Tiffany on Sunday morning and sitting next to her like you always do, you've already missed the mark. Right. That's not the point. I want to talk about, and we're coming up on the hour, but I have one more thing that I wanted to touch on when it comes to the church. And I want to go back to the start of COVID, like when COVID shut everything down. Do you remember when that happened? Shut everything down, but Walmart and Target, which made all the sense in the world, all the sense in the world. Right. Uh, But they also shut down churches. And actually, if I remember right, churches were some of the last organizations that were left open. And I I always thought that was weird. Do you feel like maybe that's where a lot of people's disconnect happened possibly, or maybe not? Do you feel like it had anything to do with it or maybe not so much? The church thing was just, the whole thing was strange. Well, I think it was done by design. So back, uh, the one gift God gave me was discernment. And back when all of this started, I was, I just had back surgery and I saw this video where somebody said, ever since I received the COVID vaccine, I no longer hear God. And I instantly, I was like, why remember this? And I went back into my search history for 10 years of YouTube history. I searched every video and I knew exactly what I was looking for. And I found the video I was hoping to find. And it was the one where they're talking about the vaccine for religious fundamentalism to kill that off. This was 2011, Bill Gates talking to the CIA. So when that happened, that immediately connected those two things in my head. So that's when I really started paying attention. And I knew immediately I would never get this vaccine immediately. So I think that this whole thing shut down the world to help disconnect people. Because if you don't have a community to go to, you will feel alone. If you feel alone, you are easier to manipulate because you're not bouncing ideas off of each other. I have a strange theory that I think that TikTok was developed by the Chinese to come into the U.S. so that we shared the information that we were hiding. So ah, I have the same theory. You do? I, and I also believe that the, the, cause it's interesting with the timing of COVID and TikTok. Yep. And we were all locked down and all of a sudden everybody was in rabbit holes and they were just, and TikTok is so quick to go viral before they'll catch anything. Yeah. I think you're right. I really I, think that it was specifically done so that we would share information and we'd be going, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? But I think that if the government just said, hey, you know, let it go, let it go. Or I think that that censorship has to be there. So my theory is, is that they censor the account, take it down so that you build another account. Because every time I hit 5,000 more followers, my account gets shut down. So I start having issues. So these things start popping up and I've noticed it consistently. And then every time you hit 5,000 new followers, you have a new feature on the new account that you didn't have on the old one. So I think that it's being done by design. I think that they want the accounts to grow. I think they want the censorship. I don't think it's done to shut us up. I think it's done because what we're saying is on the right track. And they know if they shut us up when we believe in our, in our values and our thoughts and theories, I think that if they shut us up, it's going to piss us off. And they know that we're going to come back. Yep. And now you have a following because, oh, they censored her. I want to, I want to hear what she has to say. See, so, that sounds, it sounds really crazy when you say that, like, that's just really involved. That seems, but somebody told me today that they were looking at a shirt under their bed. They didn't even say anything. They were home alone. Then they went out to the living room, grabbed their phone and opened up Instagram and an ad for that same shirt that they saw under the, they saw with their eyes under the bed called, came up on their Instagram. And she, she was asked, she's like, do you think like there's, and yes, the, I think there is an energy there. And I think that, I think you're right. I think there's more to what's going on with like the TikTok and the social media than what's blatantly obvious. And I think you're right. And this is, I have this theory that we're winning and I still hold that theory true that everything that you're seeing before you is just fake (laughs) and that eventually the zit is going to pop and it's either going to get better or we're going to explode like isn't it it. a weird feeling right now like do you sit here and feel like there's you're just existing Mm -hmm. I feel like this is how I feel for months a long time 
Yep. You know, yeah. I took interesting as we were talking about COVID, I have, I have lupus. So by all accounts, by every medical profession, I should have been sicker than a dog multiple times. I took COVID tests. They would come back positive. I take another one 12 hours later, it'd be negative. So, you know, I had my theories on all of it as it, as it was, I took a blood test yesterday and I've never had COVID. Not once. Never, not once. Not no once. Shit. And mm. I've talked to a lot of people that have lupus and they've never had COVID. I could, hell, I could even show you the damn test. I kept that thing. My husband's thinking that that is gross, but no, I mean, for anybody who doubts it, this is the blood test. You can see the IgG and IgM. IgM mm -hmm. means a more recent infection. IgG means it's an old infection. I've never had COVID. Do you huh. know what's also funny? The people, they, they found that heavy smokers also never caught COVID. Never, not once. They caught all kinds of cancers, apparently, you know, over the course of time. But they they were almost like immune to COVID because the tobacco lined their lungs that yep. COVID couldn't <laughs> grab hold. The right. whole thing was just wackadoodle AF. I think the tests were oh. bogus. Yep. I won't I won't ever make somebody do a COVID test. Well, and then if you get me going on the, you know, with the school funding and the way that they've done the ESSER funds and the CARES plan. And for anybody who is watching, I recommend you go to every single school district. And I told people from my own campaign running as I'm running for board of educators for the Kern County School of Superintendents. It's kind of the boss of the bosses. So I don't want people to donate money to a campaign for me. I have specifically requested no money. I don't want signs. My name does not need to be in someone's front yard. That money needs to go to the schools and it needs to go to paying for audits to happen. And there's all these things that need to happen in the school systems. Because the CARES Act and the ESSER funds for COVID relief funding that went to every school in the United States, that is what kept us shut down because they were getting this fund. The funds are being misappropriated. The audits need to be done. There needs to be investigations. I want people to spend money to that because there will be another thing that shuts us down because they've realized they can do it once. They tried to do it again with monkeypox. Notice how that just kind of disappeared because people are like, they're not playing this game, not doing yeah. this again. So they, they keep did. circling for, back, beating the for like work. a hot minute. For yeah. a hot minute, they came in with the airplanes, right? And they were like, "Look, we're gonna have to no." And everyone was like, "No, we're not. No, no, no." Like it didn't yeah. work. But oh, you're yeah. right. I, I think it will be happening. Well, and they would just keep trying to shut the kids down. And so, as I was looking into the funding, I saw this big misappropriation of funds happening, and it was at the expense of the kids. But we now know, I mean, look at what they did in New York. Everyone's talking about it with the vaccines, but California is possibly going to be implementing those vaccinations onto the immunization schedule. But people, the thing is, is the word that people need to learn is declination. Don't say religious exemption, say declination. When you start using those terms, it's probably going to be granted. And don't go to your doctor expecting a religious declination to happen you're going to go to the health department and file the documentation. You're going to, this is where having a church is important. You're going to go to your clergy and you're going to say, I need a letter of religious exemption declination for the COVID vaccine. Now, what, they, now is this in California? They require all this? They're trying to, well, so that's for, so California, even just getting out of the DTAP shot, that kind of thing, you have to have an exemption. They are a take it or don't go to school type of thing, but they're going to lose so much so much in funding because each student, when you attend school each day, you get a dollar, you get a price tag added to your head. If you don't show up or if you don't call in six specifically, an excused absence means they're still getting money from the school, from the school itself is getting money from the state for you to have attended that day. So if it's unexcused, they only care because they don't get the money. And you know that because they won't call you until seven 30 that night. And your kid was missing at eight o'clock that morning. So right. you know that it has nothing to do with safety. They're not warning you your kid didn't show up. They're telling you I didn't get my money. Well, with that, my friend, we're right at the top of the hour. We're going to have to bring you back, too, because I have oil <laughs> refineries. I have all kinds of stuff I still wanted to talk about. So we're going to bring you back for sure. Um, but is there anything you want to leave everybody with before we rock out for tonight? I think stay true to who you are and continue to question everything. And if it doesn't add up, it, the truth was never in the equation. It's that simple.
perfect. That's probably my favorite wrap up quote of the night. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming on you guys. And thank you so much for being here. We love your faces. Uh, today is Thursday. Tomorrow is Friday. We're going to be live tomorrow morning with Jen Snow in the morning show. And it's going to be the finale. So this will be the last morning show we do with Jen Snow. And then she's going to move to nights and once a month starting in November. So make sure you're here for that. It's going to be all about her and what she does and where she's at and her big plans for the future. Uh, so that's going to be at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. With that, we love your faces. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being here. Keep her moving. Take it easy. Thank Tell you. your mom I says hi and watch out for deer. Bye, guys. Bye.